Welcome to Alley All Ears, a podcast from Houston's Alley Theater. Alley All Ears features interviews with directors and designers, playwright Q&As, sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes information, and more. Welcome to Alley All Ears. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. From our home to yours. Hello, all you Alley Cats. It's Brandon Weinbrenner here, the associate producer and casting director at The Alley and the director of Dead Man's Cell Phone. And I have with me the star of Dead Man's Cell Phone. She's <laughs> laughing, but she is. It's Elizabeth Bunch. Oh, hey, y'all. <laughs> y'all know Elizabeth. She is a member of our resident acting company for how many years? A lot. Oh, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> that I think, memorable, huh? I, well, no. I, it, you know, it's always hard to figure out when it really started because I floated in and out of the alley for a while but I like to go with like 16. 16? Yeah sweet 16. Got it. Yeah. So what was your first show at the alley? My first show at the alley was a play called Frame 312 that was a a new play by Keith Redeen and I had never been to Texas. I had never been to the alley before. Nothing. Um, Keith saw me in a show in New York and was like, oh, you should audition for this play that I'm doing at the Alley Theater. And it was actually a fun story because um, Pete Masterson directed it. He's Mary Stuart Masterson's father. And his wife, Carlin Glenn, was in the play. And they needed someone to play the young version of her because it was about the Zapruder film um, that was taken during JFK's assassination. And doing it in Texas, it's just perfect. It was great, yeah. But so I I couldn't make the auditions, but Keith really, really wanted me to do it. And so I ended up going over to Pete and Carlin's apartment and actually reading with Carlin, sitting on Pete and Carlin's couch. So I felt really, really special and lucky that the playwright wanted me and they were these really cool, amazing New York people that were gonna bring me down to Texas for the first time. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you are special and lucky. <laughs> yeah. Flash forward to, or flash forward, fast forward to 16 years later and you're here. Yes. With your husband, Chris Hutchison. Yes. Also a resident acting company member. Also in Dead Man's Cell Phone. Also in Dead Man's Cell Phone. <laughs> and spoiler alert, he's the dead, the dead man. man. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> as curtain rises. <laughs> yeah, yes, it doesn't spoil anything, anyone. Yes, yeah. there is a dead man in Dead Man's Cell Phone. Yeah, so, you know, we've sat with this show for over two years. And now we're finally in the rehearsal room just this week on Tuesday. And I don't know, has this, I know I can speak for me, but first, like, has this resonated in you a different way this play by Sarah Rule right now since we're sort of in the world of table work I think doing table work on this show is giving me so much joy um I don't know yet if it's resonating differently in terms of what we lived through in terms of the pandemic but the fact that it feels like a puzzle that we're all sitting around dissecting every day right now is giving me so much joy and so much flashback to one of the things that I love actually being in a room doing with yeah. other artists, not over Zoom or yes. all the other ways that we were trying to make work uh, happen. But it's no, right now I'm just so excited because we've talked a lot about how the play has this beautiful, whimsical quality. And as we sit together and collaborate and put our heads together, everything about this play is starting to feel very logical and full of sense to me. Gosh, I don't know about logical. It is. It feels logical. (laughs) It really, I, I understand the justifications for the story, for the characters. I just think Sarah Rule plays in general are 
they're hard to read like Shakespeare right like when you read Shakespeare and you go I don't get it it doesn't it doesn't come off the page it doesn't feel alive you you have to see it in a live performance no matter how long I've known this play or I've sat with this play or read this play on my own it comes off the page and that's where the life is right now and just being in a room together starting to have that birth happen where it's it's lifting up yes this is what this play has to to be to be understood you can't just sit by yourself and read it yeah you know and and just to defend myself a little bit here with the logical comment it's because right what i think that this play absolutely is is intentional right all the whimsy in it um and the sheer joy or like some people have said oh it's absurdist and it's certainly not absurd Mm -hmm. but it does have moments that like you say, leap off the page and feel very off the wall. But there's always a purpose to those choices, right? And as a puzzle, there's it's kind of like I would describe it as, you know, like those corn mazes or those human mazes mm-hmm. where you run, that you go down this one pathway and then it's a dead end and you have to turn around and go back. So there are different like paths that or logic loopholes or directions you could go with some of the uh, the events in the play. But then you find out that, that that leading down that that way madness lies mm-hmm, right? right and so then you go back to the thread of this play which i think is very thematic mm-hmm. and and why i brought it back to does it resonate to you differently now is because of particularly at the beginning of the pandemic when we were in lockdown and we were relegated to our houses with our loved ones this play really deals with isolation Mm -hmm. and the importance of human touch and connection real present being in the moment connection as opposed to always thinking forward always thinking backwards or always being on your phone and you know we we could tap into that back in 2020 but after living with it for two years it's like holy bananas this is <laughs> this is real and this feels really prescient and i certainly hope our audiences feel that connection to gene and to dwight and to the characters in this play because of their own experience i love that you use the word intentional yeah because of course that's what an actor is always dealing with right is what is your intention that's the the root and the motivation of everything that you do on stage but that that's why her writing i think does feel logical to me is that you're right it's intentional it is there is whimsy and there is creativity and there is absurdism but it is done with an intent to communicate something to share something to bring the audience in it is not without purpose it is yeah. with intention yeah yeah and it's funny and it's funny <laughs> <laughs> well it's such a amazing group of characters brought yeah. to life by an amazing group of actors um, but she really has i mean you have a little bit of of all these really different not wacky but extreme characters that are brought together by a situation because they're all related or have been pulled in by Gordon yeah is the dead man (laughs) and Todd Waite made a really fun discovery today which is that in 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 this play no person is really discussed or dealt with in any way other than the six characters who are in the play so it's as if this little world is completely exists all on its own and any previous relationship they have or that exists with, within this bubble, mm-hmm. it, it's not there. Right. Yeah. It goes back to what are the, the Aristotle's poetics, like the continuing... Oh, girl, you could say anything. I, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that. No, but it's, it, you know, I love a play that um, 
I'm thinking about Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, or, where it's like it happens in real time, in real action. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that can that continuity, right? So she's created again because Sarah Rule is so amazing. The <laughs> continuity, although it does not happen necessarily in real time, it happens quickly. But everything that you could possibly need to know about the world, you're going to see, or you're going to. You're, there aren't. You know, oh, that was like my father told me back right, when the right, block. Right, right, the right. history of these characters is not important. The presence, like what is happening in this moment, everything that the audience needs to feel and to discover and find the intention behind this play is going to be presented in it. It's not about backstory and it's not about history. And it's about what we really deal with all the time, which is relationships in our cell phones. <laughs> And I love how she uses that to really specifically carve a unique world that the audience, I think you all, you all listening, you're going to have to adjust your sense of reality mm -hmm. when you step into the Hubbard Theater. Mm -hmm. and, and just accept that in this world, that is what happens. That is how this person reacts to the next person. That is how time works. That is how travel works. Right. And I love that, that there's a common vocabulary that exists only in the 84, 80-something pages that Dead Man's Cell Phone is. That's something we say in rehearsals a lot, right? Like, what are the rules of this world? The, the, the R-U-H-Ls. <laughs> oh, Right? Nice. Right? The Sarah rules. Yeah. Oh, I hope she gets to listen to this so she can hear how clever you are. I'll email it to her. It's okay, fine. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we have to d discover what the rules are for this world. And right now, it, there aren't a lot. You know, they, it, you, the audience is going to see the, the rules of our world get set up as we, you know, sh they're sort of slowly implemented in the story. Yeah. Oh, this could happen. This could happen. Well, maybe a character can be there instantly. Maybe this can happen. Um, and the most interesting choice wins. Yeah, right. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And then you're suddenly like, oh, she knew that. She had this in mind the whole time. That's That was that was the right choice. Yeah. And this isn't your first time working on a Sarah Rule play, is it? Well, it's my first first time working on a full production of okay. a Sarah Rule play. I worked on a workshop of her play Late, a Cowboy Song, when I lived in New York at The Public. A reading with a few rehearsals, not quite a, a workshop. Um, and I didn't know Sarah Rule at the time. You know, I was like, what? What? This play is, I don't understand what the rules of this play are yet. Um, but I've seen a lot of, or not a lot, but several of her plays. I just think it's so fun. Eurydice is something that the alley did. Yeah. Um, 13 years ago 12 or 13 years ago which I wasn't in but it was a similar situation where we had read it maybe the previous season and when they sort of passed out the scripts and I went home and looked at it I thought I don't I don't really get it it seems very simple I don't I don't I can't really see it then we did the table read of it and I thought oh my gosh this story is beautiful and filled with emotion which I did not see on the page, but once we said it out loud, and then I saw the production that they ultimately did, and it was stunning. Everybody has said that. It was stunning. And I, I just think she must feel like a delight for designers because mm -hmm. 
she sets up some rules, some parameters, but so much is about your own imagination and what's going to serve the way this group of people is telling that story. And certainly in Eurydice, it was it was absolutely successful. Now, you say that late A Cowboy Song when you worked on that was just a workshop, but whatever it was, <laughs> was you clearly left a lasting impression on Sarah Rule because, and I told you this, Elizabeth, <laughs> I went to lunch with Sarah Rule back in 2019 when I knew that I was doing this play, and I was talking to her about, you know, so we have a resident acting company, and I think they'd be so great for this production, and I was describing you to her, and she goes, you know, I think that she did a workshop of mine at the public. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'll be a great Jean. Oh, yeah. So she remembers you absolutely. That, I mean, that blows my mind yeah. too. Yeah. Oh. oh, but she's she's so magical, yes. Sarah Rule. It, yes. I mean, she hangs on, and you can see it in her writing too. To like just the the most beautiful details, true, right? That really yes. stick with her. It's, yes. It's just. I mean, she's a poet, and it's no wonder. Yes. With this play, yeah. I I. I like thinking about that period of time, too, because I did live in New York for a long time. And although we've talked about where does Dead Man's Cell Phone actually take place, is it New York City or not, I'm having a lot of flashbacks to the things that she's talking about in the environment that, well, we've talked about, I mean, she talks about stationery and uh-huh. stationery stores. And I was obsessed with Kate's Papery in New York <laughs> City because I lived nearby in Soho, in, not in a fancy apartment, in a tiny little tenement. But I loved going to Kate's Papery. And I, I mean, I would spend, you know, exorbitant amounts for me at the time to, you know, I'd have like a pretty cheap gift, but I would spend $14 on this tiny sheet of paper so that I could wrap the present in this handmade paper because I thought it, oh, I just thought it was incredible. (laughs) And it's, it, you know, we've talked, it's hard to find that kind of appreciation again for what, what these handmade papers or papers from other countries or, you know, what Kate, Kate's papery in particular had to offer it it kind of doesn't exist in the same way anymore well shout out to noted in the heights right which is a great little stationery store um but yeah and I just love like the tactile nature of it and just like again the appreciation for the small Mm -hmm. beautiful details that really matter Mm -hmm. yeah and we talked about the coffee shop I mean the coffee shop could be in any city anywhere but well, and then again, you have a character who drives, so yeah. this doesn't sound like New York. And then we talk about a backyard, but it is. But again, I mean, this story is universal. So while it might be inspired by living right. in New York City, it truly is. It's anywhere. Again, it has its own set of rules. It's everywhere, all at the same time. But I love that because she has, you know, and yeah, I don't know where her inspiration is coming from. I'm feeling like it's uh, the New York that I knew at that time. But the thing that's great is she is so detailed and so specific about the way she describes things that sometimes as an actor, you spend all this time trying to figure out how that relates to you. Do you have something in your life that feels that way? But like everything I read about Jean, I go, oh, I know what that paper would be. Oh, I know what that coffee shop would be. Oh, I know what it would, f- I know what that bar is going to be like. Like, I just feel like I-, I know the world, even though the rules are not necessarily the rules I've ever lived in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Speaking of knowing the world, I think about this specific production of it and I like when we designed it or went through um, the initial stages of working on the design of it back in 2019-2020 I feel like now that we've done the read through and we're starting to do fittings and everything I just feel such like a warm cozy (laughs) vibe with it because I feel like everybody's in harmony with what 
this production is aesthetically and internally. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, Trisha Barsamian's beautiful costumes that are chic and kind of strange, but very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, match, Michael Loker has designed for us a set that is not the flex set. Mm-hmm. We are, we are um, revisiting the original design. So we have this kind of blank canvas of this little world that can have Isabella Bird's gorgeous lights create space and the Edward Hopper moments, yeah. right? That Sarah Rule has inspired her and is all over the forward of this play. And then Matt Starrett's, I mean, he's got a lot of work. This is heavy lifting for Matt Starrett with all those transitions and with evoking the atmosphere of a crowd, I put in quotation marks, a crowded cafe with only two people on stage. Right, right. Purposefully, purposefully crowded but not. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, Sarah Rule plays, I think, are maybe because she is a poet at heart. I mean, they're rich in every sensory exploration. So it is a visual delight. It is a delight to hear. And the the way that we're going to be able to play with light and shadow and color because of the lighting design on that scenic design, I think is really, that's... One of the things to see a Sarah Rule play for yeah. is this gorgeous design. Yeah. Also to brag on this person in the sound booth with me, talking to me. Also see it for her, oh. Elizabeth. <laughs> she, like truly, truly just like an amazing actor. And I can't imagine doing this. I said this to you all on day one. I can't imagine doing it without any of y'all. It's Elizabeth Bunch, Chris Hutchison, Todd Waite, Christopher Salazar, one of our newest acting company members. Melissa Pritchett, who of course is working on the movement because she just is such a great choreographer. And then also Michelle Elaine, who I hope you audiences have really gotten to know and appreciate this season after Sweat and Sense and Sensibility. But not only are y'all a heck of a lot of fun to be in the room with, but you all certainly get like the pace and the vibe and just the air of this play. I mean, I just... Yeah, it's pretty. And it's the pretty fabulous, cool. Brandon Weinbrenner. Come well, on, I mean, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. I was saying to Becky Hamlin. Now that we're going to say every name that's associated. Yeah, with the I know, right? But like I was saying to her, like the first, the first day of rehearsal, I said to her, "It really feels like back in the day when nobody ever paid me to do theater, and you're trying. Oh. Where it's no, where you're like, oh, my friends and I yes. have this project we love so much. We don't care." who sees it or where we do it or what it's like all my friends are getting together to do this thing we love yay yeah and like I don't I I don't know what you hope but I hope for when the audience leaves that they feel tickled yeah that is the word that that is vibrating in me right now just because not only tickled like oh I really enjoyed that that made me laugh in places I didn't think I would laugh (laughs) but um also just like 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 letting your brain go to places that you didn't that you weren't expecting, and then also tickled to to feel something with the person that you came with, or if you came alone, yeah. with the shared experience of seeing live theater with an audience and with actors on stage. Because I think this play is so specific to live theater because mm-hmm. of that, because its whole thesis or its whole theme is about connection and and uh, being present that it's just it's so perfect for this forum I love plays that do things only plays can do right I mean sometimes it's about making something look as natural as possible or but film is very good at doing that this is a theatrical play and you need all the moving parts that make a play work to make something like dead man's cell phone sort of lift up so yeah Tickle your fancy. Tickle your fancy. (laughs) Well, that is the comedy that is coming, the romantic comedy. There's definitely romance. There's 
everything. There's everything. There's <laughs> violence. <laughs> There's oh, I'm so I'm so, I'm uh, trigger warning. I'm so excited for the extended vibe. fight sequence. Yeah, extended fight yeah. sequence. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. There's everything in it, but yeah, this is is coming to you next on the Hubbard stage. Um, here at the Alley Theater, it runs. Oh my goodness. No, I. Oh, here it is. April fifteenth <laughs> through May eighth, and yeah. we hope you come and spend some time. Uh, with us at the alley. Yeah. Theater needs the audience. It's only fun if you come and watch it. That's right. <laughs> you heard it straight from Elizabeth Bunch. Um, all right. I'll see you at the theater. Yes, Have a good John, one, everyone. See you at the theater. Yes. Thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Alley All Ears. Visit our website at www.alleytheater.org for more 